everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm James, that's Katie, and of course, that makes this Circles and Squares a PlayStation podcast. And Kate, this is our first ever episode. Yes, we're so glad that you can join us for isn't, our first ever isn't episode. Isn't it exciting? You know, we've been working hard to, to get this thing off the ground, and it feels good to finally be, you know, doing a real episode and getting into the first Yes, content. and we're only like mildly terrified. So <laughs> yeah, please be nice. Please I say nice. this is fine. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Um, yeah, this is our first episode and thank you very much for listening. It really means a lot and we hope you continue to enjoy the show. That being said, if you do like it, please head on over to um, whatever podcast service you are listening to us on. And if you want to leave a review, you know, anything will help us out grow the show since we are just starting out. Um, you can also head on over if you want to get in contact with us on Twitter is at C-A-N-D-S-Pod. That's C-N-S-Pod. Um, it also has links to all of our other media, including email, YouTube, all the, the good stuff we do over there. Today on the show, we're going to start off with our usual segment about the games we've been playing. But then afterwards, just because it is the first segment, and to be honest, a lot of people probably have no idea who we are. We thought it'd be cool to do a bit of a video game interview um, for each other, and you guys can learn some of the answers and kind of our gaming history and what we like and dislike in the world of video games. So before we get into that, though, um, let us begin with the games we've been playing. Kate, you go ahead. What have you been playing? I have been thoroughly engrossed in enjoying uh, probably one of the best PlayStation games ever made, and I'll go on record and, and say that for sure, Persona 5. I, th I think that's a popular <laughs> opinion on this show. Yes. Uh, and I will preface it by saying, unfortunately, I'm not playing Royal. I am mm. playing just the, the base Persona 5. Yeah. We should say we are pre-recording this episode on April 25th, which is um, the Royal is already out. Yes. Um, um, so, yeah. And has been out for a small period about of time. A week, about a week or so. Um, so obviously, I'm about, I'm just under 90 hours into the game. So I've been playing for a little bit longer than a week, which which makes Royal unavailable for me. But uh, I am having an absolute blast of the game, and I am kicking myself for not having played it sooner. <laughs> As I think most people who play Persona 5 would, would agree. Yes. Um, it's so good. I, I'm getting to the point now where everything's kind of converging, and all the all the pieces are coming together for a big final climactic ending, which is, is very bittersweet, because on one hand, I'm, I'm super interested to see how it ends, and and what kind of ending I get based on on what I've done, but at the same time, I, I really don't ever want it to be finished. It's funny, right? How you can play like the better part of a hundred hours. That's almost like four days of your life of this game, yes. and yet you feel like you don't want it to end. Yeah, I'm I'm so conflicted every day. It's like, hmm, what am I gonna do? Like, I'd really love to play Persona, but at the same time, if I play Persona, I might run out of Persona. And then... <laughs> like rationing, but you, need, yeah, you still want to play it, but you don't. I and like, okay, I can play for a couple hours and maybe there's still content left, but yeah, um, it, it's fantastic. I, I'm getting sort of the end where the, the the writing and the characters in the story is some of the best part of the game, I think. It's, it's really compelling. It's got a fantastic juxtaposition of like really goofy, silly, like Japanese humor going on, but then it's also got very serious and like, thought-provoking and, and touching character beats that go on as well. Um, so I'm just sort of getting the end where I'm I'm maxing out some of the confidence. So um, throughout the game, you kind of can choose which characters to build your relationship with. Yeah, well, you get I mean a certain amount of free time and you can... That's one of the best parts of the game, I think, yes. is you kind of... You know, in a lot of RPGs, you're almost forced to spend time with certain characters, but in Persona, you're given a huge cast of people to interact with and it's up to you to kind of figure out which ones you want to invest in. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm kind of at the end now where I'm getting that big payoff with certain characters that I've put a lot of time into. And 
I genuinely had one yesterday when I was playing that I felt so emotionally <laughs> connected towards this character and the, the growth that they had had gone through throughout the game and and they were thanking my character for kind of helping them and supporting them along the way and I genuinely felt like you know you're welcome I'm so glad I've been there for you <laughs> it's true though right like uh, it's hard to spend so much time investing into a game and not develop some kind of connection to the characters just like you would for a you know a movie or tv or whatever yeah you're doing. exactly and, and and because it it has that aspect of you choosing to spend time with that character and, and even it might not be the most significant choices, but you get dialogue options when you're with them and you kind of choose like what you, you think you should say to them at that, at that given time. And they're not the most diverse options, yeah. but you get a few options and, it, and that even just increases how you feel like you, you personally contribute to them instead of just watching their story go by mm-hmm. like some other games. So I can't wait to see how it ends. I've got some guesses, but no, yeah, no spoilers. Here. Be, this is spoiler free, for another day. Way, yeah. yeah, we'll do a spoiler cast about Persona Five at some point. So it's a promise. <laughs> but um, yeah, that the gameplay itself is also phenomenal. I love the turn base. They've got the spin on the turn based combat, um, where you have the type advantages like a lot of other games do, but it contributes a lot more to just this is extra damage. You have the knockdown system where when you use something that's super effective on an enemy, it knocks them down. So then your subsequent attacks will do extra damage. But you also, if you knock all the enemies down, you get like a big... You can do a finishing attack. Yeah, you get big like a, damage to all enemies. Yeah, a big all-out finishing attack. Or it lets you like kind of, you unlock the ability relatively early on to when you get a knockdown, you can like get an extra turn and swap to a different character. So like, there's a lot going on as opposed to just like, I use my strongest move, which is like right. an issue with a lot of yeah. and turn-based strategy games. And the other thing games. too is that you, in other games, you're you oftentimes if you're fighting multiple enemies, you want to maybe focus on one and take it down. But in Persona, you're almost trying to hit the weakness of every enemy, so you can you can knock them all down and then get the big final attack. Yeah, each fight is almost kind of like a puzzle in a way of like how do I take these down efficiently? And like it's fun when you come across a new enemy and you're sort of guessing like based on what they look like, I think this one might be weak to fire. Yeah. And like you sort of you go for it and try to try to figure that out. So it's just been extremely compelling. It's got a lot of very different aspects to the game and they just come together in the perfect cohesion of like Yeah. They do. And it's it's it is really well paced, I think, in a lot of ways. I think there's some sections where the the dialogue can kind of go on, but in general yeah. I think when you're kind of in a dungeon, by the time you finish the dungeon, you're very much looking forward to the social aspect of spending your free time. Yeah. And then the inverse is true, too. Like, when you just when you think you're itching to go back and do some more combat, the next palace appears. Yeah, I agree. And, I, and the social sim part is, is something that, like, I think I've really gotten into in the last little while with games. Persona maybe being a big influence on that. But it's just so compelling. Like, I have a day and I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, I want to get my guts up so that I can talk to this other character because I'm not brave enough or like I have to be more kind so this other character will be interested in me and you're constantly like you can never do everything you want to get done that's the thing that's the thing but those those social stats that you can build by doing various things like you can read a you can watch a movie like a love story it'll make you more charming or something or you can you can read a book about uh, like a brave hero and it Mm -hmm. makes you braver and like various things like like that you can do with your day. And those social stats almost feel as important, if not 
more important sometimes than your combat stats that you get because it helps you to interact with the world more. And I will tell you, (laughs) I think over the last like month or so, I've done more studying for exams in persona than I didn't realize. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. I don't know what that says about me, but I was top of my class in persona. It's a good feeling to be top of the class in persona. That's all I need. It gives me the approval in my real life as well. You can straight by in real life, just just kind of get by (laughs) and and do your thing. But in persona, you better be the top. That's right. In real life, it's like, I don't know if I want to look at my grade. But in persona, it's like, hell yeah, top of the class, everyone. (laughs) So That's great. That's my sort of persona. I was really hoping I'd finish it in time to record this so that I, I, you know, had a a different insight. But I will definitely maybe keep you updated on that. That's totally fine. We will. I'm sure this game will come up a lot throughout uh, our our future of circles and squares. Be prepared. (laughs) Be prepared. Um, What have you been playing, James? Uh, I've been playing a little game called Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh, I've never heard of it. (laughs) I know. Yeah. Um, So just to say, I've never played Final Fantasy VII, um, the original, before. Mm -hmm. Um, I've seen people play little bits here and there. It's hard to be a video game and a PlayStation fan without having seen some Final Fantasy VII footage, but I, I largely don't really know a whole lot about the game um, going into the remake, which I think is an interesting perspective to compared to a lot of people who played, you know, the original several times or hold it in really high esteem. But I overall really, really like this game. I think it's got so much really good stuff going for it and very little negative, which is very, I think it's the game of the year so far, personally. It's a big claim. Especially it is a big claim, but I mean, there's yeah. there's a lot of good stuff, but so far I'm really liking it. I think the first thing I need to mention here is the soundtrack, man. The music in this game is so, so, so good. And specifically, like, the battle themes are really cool. I think the Final Fantasy VII battle theme, like the original one, is probably one of the most famous video game soundtracks right. of yeah. all time. It's incredibly and, iconic. And this game uses that soundtrack in way more ways than just in the battles. Like the rhythms and like the the melody of that song kind of play in the background in different ways in different songs. So okay. not just when you're in a so fight. They kind of remix it and weaved it into the whole like yeah. experience of the game instead of just the same song on repeat That's right. all game. That's long. right. And it's one of those things which is they do a really good job of the when you're kind of in a in a dungeon area where there's lots of enemies around, the the battle theme will have certain aspects of itself playing through the whole dungeon, even if you're not in combat. And then when you when you find and encounter some enemies, it'll swell up and go into the battle theme, and then it'll seamlessly kind of go back down to, to the more background music after you're done the combat. And I think that's so cool how it can, how the music can change with what you're doing so easily instead of just hard cutting right to like, now we're in the battle theme, now we're back to the exploration theme. Right. Like it, it just flows really, really nicely. Yeah. And I think it's really... I, I um, think... That the way that the music has been done in this last like generation of games, yeah. I think is one of the most underrated but important things that that we've had that is has kind of like elevated games. The way that like the soundtrack sort of is fluid and responds to what you're yeah. doing instead yeah. of you like what you said, just one track and then the next track. It really helps to immerse you in the game that you're playing and is totally, totally, mm-hmm. yeah. So I mean, that's like a huge compliment I would say for this game is the soundtrack. Um, the combat is really fun as well, although I will say I find it really difficult in some okay. in some parts, and it's I don't think it's the game's fault. I think I just haven't quite figured it out yet. Right, so you suck. Yeah, maybe so, maybe so. <laughs> but, but it's weird because nine times out of ten, whatever battle I'm in, I'll just like roll these guys so easily, and, mm-hmm. and like Cloud has this one move called Triple Slash. I think it's probably like a well-known Final Fantasy move, obviously. But that move, for some reason, just seems to take out everything. Except sometimes, then I. 
get into these other combats where it's just a complete struggle and I can't really it's like I'll die so fast and I and I think I just need to get more used to like the weaknesses and the way that they um the enemies portray like what they're guarding against and what they're weak against I think it's hard to identify sometimes and the game to be fair I don't think has really done a great job of teaching me what to look for in terms of like this enemy's blocking wind magic right now like you, mm-hmm. you there's kind of these green lines swirling around the enemies but it doesn't really tell you and maybe I should have picked up on that but I I found it could have been a bit more um, forthcoming with that type of information. Right. So and, and the battles are relatively fast paced, right? They because are. they they ditched the turn based combat right. from the original and now it's it's sort of like almost like a Kingdom it's Hearts a, it's kind a, of it's it's exactly like Kingdom Hearts, except when you go into the menu the game slows down. It okay. doesn't stop, it slows. So you can still get hit, but you have like a lot of time to do what you're gonna do. And that's I think before the game came out I had a little bit of trepidation that maybe it would be when you had a full party you'd be stopping and starting the battle a whole lot and it would kind of break up the flow but i actually really appreciate the stoppages because it makes it gives you a bit of time to strategize and to and to look everything over and say okay well am i going to attack this guy or or heal my party member stuff like that and i think it's a really good mixture of fast-paced action alongside a turn-based esque you know slower paced battle system it reminds me a lot of transistor actually in that way if you remember how that combat mm-hmm. system worked for anyone that's played that. <clears throat> but uh, the other thing I would like to talk about here is the materia system. I don't know if you know how that kind of works in Final Fantasy. This is a really, really cool way you give your characters abilities, I think. Um, and I'm surprised that other games haven't taken this on in the same way. But So the way it works is that, you know, typically in a JRPG, you'll get, you'll get like, this is the healer. Mm-hmm. And this is the black mage, and this is the yes. warrior, and all that. But in in this game, the characters have their individual stats, but all the moves they have are tied to um, something called materia, which is like little orbs you can you can equip to different weapons and equipment that your characters are wearing. So, for example, I have a fire materia, and the more I use it, it'll level up, and I'll have like fire, then fire, then fireaga, or whatever the increased spells are. But um, Cloud initially comes with that in his sword, but if I wanted, say, Barrett to have fire, I could just take it out of his and put it into Barrett's weapons. So then Barrett will have the fire magic. And so you can really customize what kind of abilities and skills you want each of the characters to have. And I think it's a really um, interesting system because you don't necessarily have to use a character you don't like just because they have a skill that you need. So if I'm fighting enemies, for example, that are weak to wind, I have a wind materia on a character, but I don't like that character. I don't have to use that one just because they have the wind spell. I can just give that to Cloud or right. give that to the character that I want. Okay. So, so it's like kind of like an elegant, flexible sort Totally, of yeah. And, and it's not just it's not just the spells. It's also like the healing stuff or, or some of them have like, you know, you put a materia in that'll increase how fast your um, ATV bar builds up, which is like your special bar. And so you can really have a lot of customization, even though you're using the same characters as everyone else that plays the game. Um, I really like the system a lot, and I would like to see uh, more games be more flexible mm-hmm. in terms of their party building like this. One of the negatives I had, just to... I mean, the game isn't perfect. I find mm-hmm. that the side quests... I know this game has been really expanded, right? Like, this whole game is like 30, 40 hours. I'm about, yes. on, I'm about 15, 20 hours in now. Right. And something I didn't realize about it at first, too, but learned recently, was it's not the full game it's either. Not, it's not, no. just part one. They've taken... From what I've heard online, this this whole game takes place in Midgar, which is the first city you're in. And this part of the game, I think, is like the first eight or ten hours of the original Final Fantasy VII, yeah. or maybe even less than that. But this whole game is based in this city. Mm-hmm. And so, because it's 
such a short slice of the original, they really expanded it and fleshed out a bunch of side characters that didn't, I guess, have much dialogue or importance before. And for the most part, I think it's really cool because it probably adds a lot of context to things that people would have not had that information about before, like certain characters wouldn't have dialogue and whatnot or a quest to do with them. Mm -hmm. But the downside, I think, is that some of the side quests they put in are very much like padding. Right. Like there's one quest where, uh, you know, the combat, you'll go and fight all these monsters, then you'll get to the next side quest and it's like, search the town for five missing cats. And, okay. like, you know, and that really kind of derails the like. It, do, it really does. Like, I'm, like I would have been just fine if I didn't go find these cats. You know, it didn't add anything yeah. to the game. It's more like they wanted to give you another reason to look around this town a bit longer. And I mean, I did the quest, but it's like I don't know if I'm going to continue trying to do all of the side content, right? Rather than just because it go almost back. it feels like wasting your time. Yeah, in a sense. But then I hate when when games have stuff like that because you I feel pressured to do them. When I'm playing an RPG because I want to get the experience reward or like whatever yeah. comes along with it. Or even just I feel like I don't want to miss out on a portion of yeah. the game. Well, like, that's how I've been playing it. Like I don't yeah. like missing out on stuff either. I'm always the guy that's like I'm going to go check out every back alley and look for every yeah. chest and stuff like that. And and that's why I've been doing every side quest. But I I think if I, keep, if I continue to find more that are kind of in this vein, yeah. I might so slide off of, of wanting to complete it all. And then maybe if I feel up to it after I beat the game, maybe go back and and do the stuff that I missed. I'm not really sure, but... Yeah. But, um... That's, in, that's one of my biggest gaming pet peeves. Like, I'm fine if the game is five hours, ten hours shorter, but... Exactly. Just the content time, is, right? is excellent all the way through yeah. instead of, oh, I'll take a break from saving the world because some guy lost his cat. Well... Exactly, right? And that's priorities. how I feel like... Comparing this to... I think there's a lot of similarities between this game and God of War, which is a weird thing to say because this is like an RPG remake and mm -hmm. God of War is very much an action game, but they've kind of come together in a very similar style of game here. Huh. And But I find the difference is, and why I would say I prefer God of War, is that nothing in that game felt to me like a waste of time. Yeah. Whereas in this, the good stuff is really good, but mm -hmm. the bottom stuff is like... Why does it? Why did you even do this? Right, kind of thing. And it, it's weird too. It all depends on how you frame it. Like it doesn't not. It doesn't always have to be hundred percent high stakes. So even just thinking like about Persona, obviously that's all I think about. Um, <laughs> you and me both. You and me both. <laughs> um, but just Persona copy about, and chapstick. <laughs> three things. Um, but thinking about that game is because you're always progressing time. Every day is like it follows the real world calendar. So if you just spend all your day eating burgers and playing baseball one day, mm. you've progressed to the next day and now you're one day closer to the, the next palace being unlocked or something happening based on on like scripted events yeah. throughout the throughout the timeline of a game. So you're you're progressing time and it matters what you do as opposed to taking a break for seemingly no mm -hmm, reason to mm -hmm. do a, a dumb quest that exactly. is irrelevant. Exactly. So yeah. it, it's it it's almost how it's framed as opposed to what you're actually doing. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I just think that, that I would prefer mm -hmm. to spend my time doing the more uh, engaging quests, might yeah, I say. But all in all, I really, really enjoy it. I'll definitely speak about it more. I think, like I said, I'm probably getting close to halfway done, if not quite about halfway. So mm -hmm. um, I'll report back when I get further. Um, but for now, we're going to move along to the second segment of the show right after a short break, where I will ask Kate some very interesting video game questions.
Alright everybody and welcome back to the second segment of today's show which is going to be a very special Get to Know Kate segment. Um, now, just to say this is a PlayStation podcast, of course, but that doesn't mean all we've played our whole lives is PlayStation games, so obviously some of the answers aren't going to be all PlayStation, but we're just answering them as truthfully as possible. So yeah, yeah. play along at home, send us your answers to the questions if you are uh, so inclined, mm-hmm. and we'll, read, we'll uh, read them and let you know what we think, but let's get started. Are you ready? I am. I'm ready. Let's go. Perfect. Okay. Question number one, Kate. Mm-hmm. What is the first video game system you you purchased? Now, this is a hazy one because I have had so many systems, and I also interpret, like, my first, the first systems I ever really, like, remember owning were um, the N64 and my Game Boy Pocket were, like, mm-hmm. two big systems I remember having as a kid, and then obviously getting the following intera- iterations of those is, like, the Game Boy Advance came out and, and the GameCube and all that, but I, those, I think, were, like, purchased for me and I owned I think the first console the first thing I ever bought for myself I think was a DS and I bought the one that came with Nintendogs (laughs) yeah I remember you had the big the big silver the big silver like yeah the big hinge silver DS and I bought the one that came with Nintendogs after much like stressing and researching and so I think that was the, the first one I ever purchased for myself. Um, and now I, I purchase everything for myself. Yeah. So Obviously being an adult now. Obviously of being an adult We're now. We're 90s yeah. kids, by the way. Yeah. So I, I think it, it's got to be those. But the, the main console I remember getting for the first time was that N64. Right. Of course. Yeah. It's iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Question number two. What four franchises would you say have shaped um, your gaming likes or what you prefer in games so this this was a really interesting question and I, I put a lot of thought into it and actually kind of swapped my answers around a few times so in no particular order um i've got down here that the first one has got to be the soulsborne games bloodborne dark souls Sekiro. um you're gonna hear me talk about those a lot so i really hope you're interested in FromSoft games they are probably my favorite game studio I just get so excited and and every time I get to play one, um, they're just the, the perfect melting pot for me for exploration and challenging but rewarding gameplay. And they just have these like brooding, immersive and, and worlds that just like seep atmosphere. And I just get absolutely engrossed every time I get to play one. So I think I think they've made me look at games a lot. A lot differently, and like they just really inspired me to pick games that challenge me and make me think, and and not just to to kind of play along with the story, but to try to understand the world and learn about it as you go. Because those games, while they're mostly known for being very challenging, which I enjoy, they are also um, very much focused on you getting small little snippets of of information about the world building and the characters within it, and you sort of trying to figure out the story as you go and I love just getting a little lore dump and it changes your perspective on on what you thought was mm-hmm. and was you're correct. theorizing what's going on yeah you and you're play. theorizing and, and I don't want to spoil anything too much maybe we'll we'll get into it a little bit more later at some point but there's been times where you know you're you're being told that you're being led down to just understand the game in a certain way and then something happens or you get just an item that is a small two-sentence description but it totally blows open like a new theory on the game and it's just 
you just absolutely go down the you rabbit hole. You get lost and, in the Reddit rabbit holes. Yeah, the story and just get yeah. so consumed with those games. So that's got to be one. My next one is is kind of the opposite of that, but I've picked the Mario franchise, but I guess mm. more specifically tailored towards Super Mario 64 and now the, the newer Mario Odyssey. Odyssey. I was not um, expecting you to have that on your list. Yeah, well, I was thinking about it, and I think they just in, encapsulate so well Nintendo's de- design philosophy of games should just be fun. As much as I love diving into, you know, the what I just explained, sometimes you just want to sit and just have a goofy fun time, and it doesn't have to, to be more than that. Right. It just has to have some wonderful tight platforming controls and, and have a beautiful, lovely world, and mm-hmm. it's just simple and fun. Number three I've got on here is going to be League of Legends. I've sunk a lot of time uh, mm-hmm. into that game, and, and while I don't play anymore, I still watch and follow the competitive scene, so it was my first kind of really getting immersed and invested in an online competitive game, which mm-hmm. is quite a, quite a different experience than um, just playing a single player thing, and it's something that you know I'm always watching new champion updates, and it, it's kind of almost like being involved in a it's community. Like, it's like following a sport. For yeah, you, it's like being involved point. in a in a community, and yeah, and following a, a growing a growing league. So it's a very different gaming experience. And the the final one I've got down here is a series that I want I would heavily recommend to everyone. It is the Banner Saga series. Um, so a little context on that: it's a three part game. Um, and you kind of follow your characters throughout and, and you make a lot of decisions along the way. Uh, it's got a heavy role playing element to it, um, where your decisions matter and depending on what you do, certain characters will die or join your party or, you know, you can end up in various different circumstances based on what you've chosen to do. So by the time you make it to the end of the third game, your game looks vastly different than someone else who's done yeah, who, widely different who has a character decisions. that died in the first game that you've taken yeah, to the end and is your, exactly. like, is your main like, unit or something. Yeah, yeah, your main character might be a totally different character you're following. So mm-hmm. that game for me made me embrace not always picking the best decision because I, when I first started, I was stressing about, oh, well, if I do that, what might be the consequence? And then right. feeling that pressure, like, I should look it up because I don't want to accidentally lose a character I like. But by the end of the game, and I'd force myself to play, like, if something bad happens, that's just part of my story and it makes it more interesting. Right. And if you want to max it, you can play through it again exactly. and look up the optimal. Exactly. Route. You could look it up later and do it differently next time. But it really enriched my my game because instead of stressing about what might happen... I was finding out what would happen based on what I thought was the right choice or what I thought my character would choose based on their personality. And it it just enhanced the game because it, it felt natural instead of me trying yeah. to force it along. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Now, you know what I will say about this is that we have very different answers for this, <laughs> and I'm very surprised by that. Interesting. Um, okay. Considering how many similarities I think we've had in like our our um, early gaming years. So yes. we'll see. I'll uh, be interested to see what you think of my answers. Interesting. I look um, forward to it. Number three, Kate. Okay, number three. What What is the most hours you put into one game? Um. So we'll go back. It's going to have to be League of Legends. Again, I think I went through a phase where I played a lot of that game. It's it's obviously being that online. It's just hop into one more match. Yeah. Hop into one more match. Play with friends. And then also, if 
kind of calculate the hours too. I've spent watching. I follow the European League. Um, mm-hmm. Very invested. Relatively invested. Go fanatic. So I think it would probably. It's got to be. It's yeah, not be. that you counted, but it's got to be. Not that I list. counted, yeah. but it, yeah, there that'd be go. my best guess. What's the? This is a question you put on the list, by the way, and I really, really like this question. I thought mm-hmm. about it for a long time. What is the best game you've bought for five dollars? Well, I will. Yeah, this question I, I put a lot of thought into it too. It's gonna have to be papers. <laughs> <laughs> papers, please. It's it's so good. If you haven't it is. heard about it or seen it, uh, you can probably find it on Steam for still under five dollars. So it could be your answer to this question as well. Uh, it's you're kind of like a border crossing guard. It's like a it's like a fake country that has very strict border regulations. Yeah, basically. it's like a fake horrible like corrupt yeah. country, and and people are trying to trying to flee it, and you're a border crossing guard, and you have to like you're literally doing the mundane things that a border crossing yeah, guard would do, and you, checking passports, validating yeah. dates, and it sounds boring, but when you play it, it's yeah, and it, like cool. the, the game like progresses, so it actually gets to be like some level of difficulty because you have to check so many different things that they've got their papers correct, but it also has like a very human aspect to it too where like they'll come to you with a sob story like please like my i need to i want to go with my wife like she needs medicine i can't get it we have to leave for her procedure and like they don't have the right papers but do you let them through Mm -hmm. but then at the same time like you can't just let everybody through because you have to take care of your family so if you get fired you you can't pay for your grandmother who needs her medicine and it's like it it seems almost like a silly goofy game when you first start but by the end of it you're like this is such an example of games being art because, like, yeah. it's so beautiful. What is a game that you liked before the series really became mainstream? Um, This one was probably the hardest one for me to answer because partially it made me feel like an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and partially, like, there are a lot of games where, like, I, I guess I was playing them before they're as big as they are now, but, like, they weren't, they weren't small, super niche yeah. or small, so... I the best thing I could think of was something like, like Smash. Like obviously Ultimate's mm-hmm. so huge now. I we used to play a lot back on the N sixty four, but I mean it wasn't a small game at the time, so there you go. Uh question seven. Mm-hmm. What's more important, graphics or controls? So I think this this one's kind of something that you could debate for hours, but I I think if I had to pick one I would say controls. But I think both are very important and they kind of like piggyback off of each other so when i'm thinking about it when i think of like controls i want like that tight visceral feedback like when you get a parry in dark souls or you feel the weight of like a huge like big axe swing or something yeah and it it helps to to make the game immersive and it's just so satisfying to feel that but that's i think a combination of, of the controls feeling smooth and responsive and precise but also the visuals being really clear and cohesive and having that moment really like transfer through Mm -hmm. smoothly so i guess both but in a general sense the game has to feel good before it doesn't matter how gorgeous the game is if it doesn't feel good what is the best game you can introduce a non-gamer to right so in in my notes i put down dark souls because i'm i think i'm funny (laughs) but (laughs) not not dark souls um Animal Crossing was the obvious one yeah. that I thought of because it's obviously New Horizons. It's so accessible and it's, it's so brand accessible. new. And new Horizons is out, and I think a lot of people who don't really play games are playing that game because it's it's not really got the same. It's just same, not like, no stress, right? Yeah, no it's stress. no stress, and it's it doesn't have the same like learning a lot of mechanics that most games do. 
So that would be maybe my answer for people who don't think they want to get into gaming but want to play a game. But my actual answer I like for someone who maybe wants to get into gaming but doesn't know where to start is to play Portal. Oh, nice. Um, because it, it's just a beautiful way of showing like how creative games can be. Um, it has a really cute storyline, um, some fun characters. It's hilarious. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It's a relatively short game. And it also like will develop some light shooter mechanics shooting your portal gun. So It's a good answer, actually. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Um, what is one series that's not on PlayStation that you wish you could bring to PlayStation? Okay, so this one is a two-part. It's one game that wasn't ever on PlayStation that I'd like to be in. Also, it's a game that you no longer can play and I really want to revive. Um, it's Atlas Reactor. Oh, man. <laughs> you can't play that anymore? No. No, man. They have discontinued it. So Atlas Reactor was an online competitive game. We had a lot of fun we playing We had that. a lot of fun. Shout-outs to Gremolitions, one of the yeah. best characters of all time. <laughs> Um, bombing run. Uh, but basically it was like a turn-based... It was like a team turn-based game. It was game. like a team turn-based game, um, but it, it had this weird... The weird mechanic of it was that, like, you you chose your move you were going to do simultaneously, so everybody... it's a, I think it was four It was four, four on four. It was four on four, and everybody chose their move at the same time, and then it all got resolved afterwards, but... Things would happen in different phases, so you could play like an attack move that happened phase three, or you could play like a mobility move that happened phase two. Mm -hmm. So the game was really centered around mind games of like... And predictions. And predictions of like, well, I think that guy's going to move in phase two, so that would mean my phase three attack is going to miss. So instead, I'm going to target this other character who like isn't maybe as priority, but I think I'm guaranteed to hit. Or, and then that would evolve into like, well, that character should move based on where they are. They're in a really risky spot, but it's obvious they should move. So are they actually going to stay? And it like, it was so tense. It was tense. a lot of mind games. It I really was, liked that game. It was I'm... stressful, but it was also just really niche. And I guess they didn't have enough players to really like yeah. stimulate the game. I don't the think game. they really had a lot of marketing around it. Yeah, it didn't market great. So it did shut down and you just, That's you just sad. can't you play really, it anymore. You really uh, made me a bit upset. Yeah, I know. That's a shame. Kate, hey, number 10, what's a classic that you missed and you hope to go back and play soon? Um, Well, I mean, Final Fantasy VII's been on my mind. Uh, I did miss that game, so I am intending to play the remake. But I've also got on here just as a fun shout-out that I missed the Earthbound series. I've never Mm -hmm. played those. Um, And I got really into and and have a very high price for Undertale, which was inspired by the Earthbound series, so... I'm about half, well, maybe a quarter of the way through Earthbound for the first time, and uh-huh. I, I think you'd really like it. Yeah, so. I really want to. My my big thing that's that's kind of stopping me is that the only way really to play it is is through an emulator. Yeah. And I I feel like it's the kind of game I would want to have handheld versus playing on my computer or my laptop. That's what's taken me so long so, to get through it. Yeah. So like, if, if it got released on the Switch or something, that would be. That would be phenomenal, but yeah. eventually I we would can like dream. to. We're on PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're on PlayStation. <laughs> Wishful thinking. Can't take that with me, unfortunately. All right, let's move to the second half of the questions. Number eleven. What is your most anticipated game that's not yet out? Well, um, 
It is a hundred percent. This is the easiest question for me to for me to answer. It's Elden Ring, mm-hmm. which is the love child of From Software with George R. R. Martin, one of my favorite authors, working on it. So this is this is the question where I was most sure of what your answer would be. Uh, and were you correct? <laughs> I was correct. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Elden totally. Ring. It looks amazing. That's awesome. What's a genre uh, genre you're just not into? You just can't get into it. Uh, sports games. And yeah. no, this isn't counting like kart racers and things like that, but these are like like the sim sports games. Yeah, these are things like like the the hockey games that come out every year and and the football games and whatever. And I, I think they're fine games. I don't think there's anything wrong with them, but I think they have a prerequisite of you're actively interested in that yeah, sport. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And if you're not, then they do nothing for you. So yeah, totally. Uh, what is your most prized video game possession? <laughs> so this is an easy one for me. I have sitting on my bookshelf a little The Night from Hollow Knight. Yeah. Um, this is it's a really special, fun thing I own. My boyfriend 3D printed it and glued it together and painted it and, and made it for me. And it, I've broken it a few times. <laughs> yeah, you really seem to care <laughs> about this. I know. I broke it and felt like the world's biggest asshole. But we've glued him back together. He's still painted. He's wonderful. He's safe on the bookshelf. And I love Hollow Knight, and he's so there cute. You go. <laughs> um, number 14, what is your greatest gaming accomplishment? Okay, so this is going to be some humble bragging. It's got to be when I played Bloodborne for the first time, and I just had the world's best, most successful run. James is, is sitting there with pain on his man. face. Like, I, I beat Bloodborne myself, and, and it took me a while. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm really good at it, you know? But, it, I mean, the ease with which you went through this game, was that your first FromSoft from game? It was my first FromSoft game, and, and so it's special in that sense that, that got me into the into the, yeah. the company, and I went it's, to play Dark Souls I was, after. And... I was shocked how easily it clicked for you, yeah. and, and you just seemed to not have any trouble, really. It did. I mean, I had trouble, especially with some of the DLC or like later mm-hmm. bosses. There were definitely some, some things that bricked me a little bit, but I played... This game, and I think it just perfectly fit my play style. Like when I went to Dark Souls, I made my character as much of a Bloodborne character as I possibly could with the dodging and the parrying. Um, so yeah, I played Bloodborne for the first time and I went through the first boss that killed me was the fourth boss in the game. Yeah, see, and I, I died like, like for an hour and a half in the first area before I even got yeah. to the boss. Oh, I, I definitely died like in the first area and whatnot. But the bosses, I just something about it. it like I just get in the zone. With, it just like, made sense. Like I just clicked so well with me. So, yeah, the first three bosses I beat without dying. There were a few later in the game, like Martyr Ligarius and some other fun, fun bosses that it just it was the perfect yeah. game for me, and it will continue to be my my highlight accomplishment game because it is going to be. Hopefully soon, the first game I ever platinum as well. So Nice. I like it. Yeah, so it's a two-part. <laughs> I like it. Um, number 15, Kate. A game that others seem to like, but you just can't really get into it. Okay, so I might get flamed for this, which I think I'm perfectly willing to stand my ground on because fuck these games. The Tony Hawk games. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I was not expecting right? it. Ties into your sports game Ties answer. into my sports game issues, but like... And I remember when they, even when they came out, because like they're not huge anymore, but like no, it's more like the PS One and yeah, those those old pro skater games were so big, and like even at the time, and looking same looking back on it now, they just seem so incredibly boring and repetitive, and like I just can't understand 
be a, I, maybe if you're a really big skateboarder, I guess, but like. That's the thing about those games. Like, you, people liked it even yeah. though they didn't at all care about skateboarding or like tricks yeah, or they, Tony Hawk. There was that's just, right. it was just like, if you talk to people and like, what's the best game on PS1? Like, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 is a very common answer. I yeah, think. but it just seemed like there was, it was just so shallow and nothing to do in it and like. God, they're ugly. Like, wow. I'm sorry, I don't... Tony Hawk, if you're listening. <laughs> hey, Tony Hawk's a good guy. Yeah, if you follow him on Tony Hawk, you seem like a great guy, but, like, got bad games, man. <laughs> uh, number 16, what's a game that you like even though you know it sucks? <sighs> I'm interested to see if you have the same answer for this. I feel like this is one that we will. Yeah. Um... Shoutouts to Maple Story. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's not what I... Um, it kind of sucks. I think it was great when it came out at the time. For those of you who don't know, it's kind of like an older, like... It's an MMO, MMO. but it's unique in the fact that it's a side-scroller. Yeah, it's like a 2D side-scrolling MMO, and it's it's got a really cute aesthetic and amazing music, but it, it very much suffers from the, like, all there is to do is, like kill the same monster a hundred times and that's your quest and now yeah. you go and kill some other monster a hundred yeah. times and the quests are always the same you're just attacking a different guy yeah and it doesn't really have a big overarching story or anything like it's mm-hmm. just the it's just a nice aesthetic and like i guess some somewhat interesting abilities that you can spec into with the generic archetype of i'm a mage or mm-hmm. i'm an assassin i'm a warrior whatever um, so it's, it, I wouldn't say it's a great game. I 100% would not recommend ever playing it now, but I love that game. So we used to play so much growing Man, up. That game was, a, was an addiction. It was. It was such an addiction. I almost put it for most hours in the game. Yeah, you know, I thought about putting like, it for that too. It's kind of close. And, and we have this thing now where every like maybe two years or so, someone brings up and they're like, Hey, you remember Maple Story? That game sure was fun. Yeah, it was. I'm never going to play it again, but it sure was fun. And then like a month later, someone else itch, someone right? else brings up, they're like, hey, so I've been thinking about Maple Story. And yeah. we end up like playing for like three weeks again on some like old servers that, that sort of emulate the how the game server, used to be. Yeah. And it's great for those three weeks. And then after that, you're like, fuck, this game sucks. I'm just, never going to play it again. Like, Man, yeah. But like inevitably, two years later, here it comes again. It's fucking MapleStory. Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, man, let's not give MapleStory any more airtime. Nope. Kate, what's your uh, best, the, your favorite soundtrack? 17. Um, this was a big one for me. I Like I said earlier in the, in the show, music is, is something I really, really hone into on games. So I've got some honorable mentions for, for things that just, do the ambient so well. So like Bloodborne, um, Red Dead Redemption 2 was a big one I thought of um, that just that have the perfect soundtrack that plays along with you and just really oozes atmosphere into the game. Um, and then I thought about games that that just fit the gameplay so well. And I thought of Phoenix Wright because like it's yeah. got that great courtroom um, it's, It does a good job of adding and, to the stress and the drama. Yeah, it does the drama and it just like it, it fits so well with the gameplay. Um, but my serious answer has got to be because it's the one thing where I do listen to game soundtracks, um, but I'll listen to like the whole soundtrack through or like from time to time. But this is the one game where it has actually entered my regular music library and is just a part of songs that I listen to on a, on a daily basis. Uh, so it's Bastion. Wow. From, um, from Supergiant. And it's just got a kick-ass like... Darren Korb, I believe, is the composer for all of those games. And it's just got some kick-ass, like, good songs. And it mm-hmm. 
plays amazingly in the game, but also is just great stuff to listen to outside of the game. What's your favorite weapon in a game? Um, well, obviously, I went back to Bloodborne and picked up Threaded Cane. Uh, so it's one of the starting items you can get in Bloodborne. And um, one of the things that game's known for is having really cool, they're called trick weapons. So it has basically two forms and they transform between two different variations. So the Threaded Cane is just a cane at the beginning. But then you, in a really fancy, flashy, cool animation, it turns into this like big spiky whip almost kind of like ivy from soul caliber yeah that's a good way to put it but then like it sort of like winds back up into the cane and it's just such a cool elegant weapon Mm -hmm. um what number 19 now we'll ask this question single player or multiplayer um i oh that was a hard one to pick um for me i pick couch co-op (laughs) (laughs) kind of in the middle um so not multiplayer online but like just playing like with a couple people mm-hmm. on a single screen is great. So um, some of my most fun, like some of I'd say like my favorite games are like single player games that I play. But some of my best gaming moments are things like everyone's cracking up playing Overcooked together or um, something I'll probably talk about a lot in the in the near future is um, my boyfriend are playing Divinity Original Sin 2 together right now. And it, we're playing at Couch Co-op. And, like, just some of the stuff that happens is, like, absolutely hilarious. hilarious. But it's also fun because we're, you know, every time we get to, like, a story beat decision, it's like you sit and you discuss, like, oh, what are we going to, how should we approach this situation? And it, and it becomes, like, a, a whole big conversation. And, and I think Yeah, you kind are, of work out, work out how to play together. Yeah, and I think those are some of the, the moments that kind of stuck them stick with you the most because you're experiencing it with someone totally i agree with that all right next question what is the most annoying mechanic in a video game this has a lot of fun answers um i went with something that i actually was inspired because i'm playing a game that does it so incredibly well um but i hate when you have really obvious or unintuitive dialogue trees in games Mm. um so i think this is this is kind of something that games have been getting a lot better about lately um, and it's kind of like an older RPG problem, but it's when you have like the infamous or the old mass, like the original mass effect or something where it's like, you get asked a question and your response is either, this is clearly the good answer. This is clearly the I'm evil answer. And this is clearly, I don't want to pick and pick a side yeah, and yeah. be neutral. So I find that that really just takes the role playing out of it because. Yeah, well, when you compare it to something like you were mentioning Banner Saga before, you have no idea which answer is going to lead to what outcome. Yeah, exactly. Or like because of all the divinity I've been playing, every time we we get a dialogue choice, it's like we sit and think about it. And it's like, how is this going to affect, you know, what we want the outcome to be or also what we think this person is going to respond to it? Like in that game, you get a lot of dialogue options based off of your character. So it isn't just like, this is the nice answer. This is the bad answer. It's like, these are a couple different answers that might, you know, we can try to infer what, what might happen. Mm-hmm. But then there's also this answer I can say because my character is an elf. And this answer I can say because I have a really high, like, intelligence stat. Or, like, this answer because earlier in the game I did something. So now I can reference that accomplishment my character has. So those are, are not only rewarding because you are referencing things that you've actively done to influence the game, but also it makes you have to consider your options versus 
Well, I answered the last three questions and situations evil. So I guess my character is evil now. Here's the yeah, evil no, option. Exactly. So so cut and dry that way, whereas the other ones have more diversity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And finally, the last question. Um, being as we are a PlayStation podcast, we should probably declare right here and now um, for the ages, which are which is your favorite game for every PlayStation console, <laughs> including the PSP and the Vita? So I, I imposed a rule on this for myself, but I don't know if you did when you were when you were considering it. But I picked it has to be a game that I actually played on that console. Mm-hmm, okay. So, for example, like I played the first couple God of War games and really enjoyed them on PlayStation Three because they came out with that like yeah the cut, combo pack the combo pack. But they're actually PS2 games originally, so I couldn't put them on. Gotcha. P- I couldn't put them for either because gotcha. they don't count. Okay. So that I like was my that rule. rule. So I guess starting PlayStation 1, uh, Crash Bash, <laughs> which I have a feeling you might have picked too. I will tell you, that is the first question that we have the same answer. Really? Out of all of them? Out of everything, yeah. Wow, that's good. We've got some some diversity going on, I guess. So yeah, Crash Bash is amazing, specifically the pinball levels. Um, remaster that, please. PS2, I put down... Uh, PS2, I didn't really play too much of, mm-hmm. but the one big game I played that stands out was Kingdom Hearts. Yep. Um, ironically, I beat the game on the remaster for PS4. PS4, but you did play it on but PS2. But I played it on PS2 and got about halfway, so Kingdom Hearts. For PlayStation 3, I've got Heavy Rain. Nice choice. I really respect you for putting I that down. I loved Heavy Rain, and I will fight anyone who says it's a bad game. It was amazing. We actually played it together. It's true, yeah. I watched yeah. you play through for the first time. I platinumed it. It was the first game I ever got a platinum trophy on, yeah. actually. Yeah, it's a game I'd like to go back and platinum. Um, I instead just, you know, YouTube watched all the options I didn't yeah, get. Yeah. But yeah, it, it can was... be a bit tedious to go back and, and redo. But I think on your first playthrough, Heavy Rain really has a really compelling story. Yeah. And the reason people are put off today is because the controls and those type of games have come so much farther. Yes, it is a little finicky and there there definitely were a few yeah. times that doesn't respond the way you think it's going to. I definitely think that if that game was to be given modern controls and released today with modern graphics, it would be the best of that genre. I agree. For like, sure. Like, even playing some of the newer ones, like Until Dawn and Mount of Medan, like, those games are great and I love them, but Heavy Rain is Heavy Rain is the is pinnacle special. of that series, I think. Yes. Um, I'm going to leave PS4 for last, so we'll go on to the Vita. Oh, PSP after Vita, I like it. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, PSP, I'm going to be yeah, honest, sure. I didn't really ever play, so I, yeah. I don't have a game for PSP. I didn't. That's an honest answer. I hardly played it. Like, I, I owned one over a very brief period of time, and I have very vague memories of being young and playing some version of Ratchet and Clank on it. You had Daxter, is what you had. <laughs> See, I, <laughs> did I have Daxter? <laughs> I remember because I played Daxter because yeah. you owned it. And it's, it's just a weird haze, so I'm going to have to really embarrass myself and, and say that's that fine. one's a write-up. You know, this, this podcast is anything, it's authentic. We're not exactly. going to lie and pretend we've done things Abs- that we've not. Absolutely, I'll be honest. Um, so Vita, I will be honest, I've also kind of uh, cheated on this answer as well. I don't own a Vita, um, so I put Persona 4 Golden as <laughs> my answer. I can respect that answer be- as well. First of all, because you broke your own rule. I broke my own rule, I know. <laughs> but I love Persona 5 so much. And Persona 4 is, like, I'm going to go back and play 3 and 4 after I beat 5, so I want to play Golden Edition, and it's only available on the Vita, so I'm going to get my hands on that somehow. And so finally, for PS4, it's got to be Bloodborne. 
It's which gotta be. It's gotta be Bloodborne. I sometimes consider other options, but I always come back to if I have to pick a favorite game of all time, it's gotta Bloodborne. be Bloodborne. Bloodborne. There you go. Well, that's your answers. Um, you know what? We're gonna take a quick break, and then we'll be back, and I will answer the very same set of questions very differently than you did. <laughs> so stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's the third segment of the show. And for today, that means that it's my turn to answer these questions. Yes, you've uh, you've heard the correct answer to all of these questions. Heard the correct answer <laughs> to uh, the Crash that's Bash, right. that's for sure. That's right. You've got the cheat sheet in front of you already. So uh, let's see. I'm really interested we'll see to see um, how different your answers are. Yeah, I so. will just say I'm very surprised that we had, we didn't have more overlap, considering that we played a lot of the same games growing up. Yes. And we even still play a lot of a lot of like overlap. Yeah, but there's um, a lot of differences now as well, too. But, now, but yeah, we, we we kind of approach them maybe slightly differently as well, but that makes them more interesting. So, uh, let's no place better place to get started than first question. First system you purchased. Okay, well, same answer as you. Like we obviously had a lot of systems growing up. We were we were purchased as like a Christmas gift or something. Yes. So that would be Game Boy Pocket, GameCube, like you said. N64 mm -hmm. was like the big the big one for sure. Mm -hmm. But um, the first system I actually bought for myself, I believe, was my PS1. Um, because I, we had the GameCube we got for Christmas. And by that time, being a little bit older and whatever, I had a little bit more allowance money and, and whatever and, mm -hmm. and um, managed to save up somehow. I got a used PS1 that I, I did buy for myself probably... When I was like 10 or something like that. That's right. And Maybe. you were kind enough to let me yeah, play it. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was definitely the first one I bought. And I, I felt so cool at the time because it was like I own N64 and PS1. Like, yeah, ooh, It was so cool. Double dipping. And to be honest, I don't really remember playing a ton of games on the PS1 that have stuck with me to this day. Like um, Crash Bash, obviously. And like the Spyro games were really fun. but mm -hmm. And like Crash Bandicoot Warped and those. But I don't really have a huge extensive library of ps1 games right. that i played but that was the first system that i yeah. did buy i think partially we were we were quite young at the time and then also partially too like we just kind of ended up with a lot of nintendo stuff yeah early i think on at the time that's just career. kind of what we were more into yeah um what about the four franchises or game series that shaped you okay so i'm just going to start off with the really obvious one that i can't believe that you didn't put pokemon <laughs> i now, i will respond to that by saying i had pokemon originally and replaced yeah. it at the very last minute <laughs> i this series is the, the pokemon red was the first game i ever owned Yes. For my Game Boy Pocket, that was, you know, the, the first system I kind of had to myself. And this game, I will say, like, I think now with the perspective that I have on games, I don't really think the Pokemon games are very good. Like, they're not bad games, but they are very simple. And now that I've played right. way more of the same type of genre, like RPGs, the Pokemon is not yeah. uh, really they, high up on the list. They don't live up to their potential as No, a they, they really don't live up to their potential. But the world is so cool. And just growing up in the, you know, 90s, 2000s, Pokemon was everything. Yeah. And to this day, like, I, I still follow the competitive Pokemon scene right. quite quite closely. And, and I like the cards. Yeah, and... we collect the cards. And, like, we I still play every Pokemon game, even though I don't really have the highest expectations for what they are. But there's just something yeah. about that series that kind of introduced me into video games and was the first game I owned. And I, I just couldn't answer this question without Pokemon being on the list. Mm -hmm. um, number two, I'm just going to get this out of the way as well, Persona. 
Um, I've only played Persona 5, and I'm about two-thirds of the way through Persona 4, but Persona 5 has just it's impacted me in such a big way that I couldn't not put it here. Um, Persona 5 is my favorite game of all time, and I played it about this time last year. Um, I was going through a tough personal time, actually had some time off work, and I, I basically sat home by myself every day with a cup of coffee playing Persona 5, and I beat it over the span of two weeks where it was my life, you know, and mm-hmm. and I was, um, you know, my girlfriend Ashley, she was at work every day, and I was kind of by myself, and these characters in Persona almost became like the people I was hanging out with, and the game is just almost flawless in my opinion, and mm-hmm. I just love it so much. I actually got a Vita, and just to play Persona 4 Golden, and I intend to go back and play the others, just like you said as well. So I just love Persona 5 so much specifically, and 4 is really good too, that I, I have to put it here. Mm-hmm. Um, number three, uh, Phoenix Wright. Oh, that's a good now, one. Now this, this is a game, um, I think it's a bit, the genre is a bit polarizing, like the visual novel genre, because I think a lot of people just find it really slow, and right. and it's not. It's more like a reading a book or watching a, a TV show almost, that's a bit interactive than it is a mechanics-driven kind of video game, but um, I just love the characters in the world of Phoenix Wright a lot, and it, and I, visual novels and these type of games have really become one of my most most liked genres. I would include like the the Heavy Rain Until Dawn style, right. like choose your own adventures, kind of in the same boat. Um, and I really like games like that. And Phoenix Wright is, in my opinion, um, right up there with the best of them, and is the one I've been playing for the longest. Right. And I I really think that. Because I like Phoenix Wright so much, has encouraged me to play other similar, right? Like Danganronpa and Nine 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 Doors and all those, like, and then also the Until Dawn, Heavy Rain type stuff right. as well. And the la- those three, I I instantly thought of when I made this list. Okay. They were unequivocally on this list. But the fourth one, I was really stuck, at kind of what to put, and I ended up going with Super Smash Brothers. Interesting. And I considered that one for a, a small period of time as well. Yeah, and I and I think that for a couple of reasons. Number one. Definitely was the game we played the most growing up, just because you'd have your friends over after school and we'd all be playing Smash Bros. Like, it's just what you did for hours and hours. And it was a game that we, we owned before we had a GameCube. We'd, we'd purchased the game before because we were so sure we were getting it for Christmas. <laughs> and it's a really cool game in the sense that it is a museum of Nintendo and all the different franchises are in there somehow. And being a kid playing Super Smash Bros. Melee, was really cool because you you got to introduce to characters like Roy and Marth from Fire Emblem. You'd never heard of Fire Emblem, but it, it gave you a taste of characters from different games you hadn't played. And I think it really pushed me to want to try to play a lot of different games to see where these characters came from. And that's not even saying how fun the game itself is, is to play. Like, Smash Bros. is a great great game anyone can come over and you have a good time like it's just yeah. an awesome game yeah and it, it i like that too and i almost put it on as well just for that like you know like the aspect the social aspect of the game too like mm-hmm. we haven't done one um recently obviously with the state of the world right yeah. now but from time to time we we get a group together and have like actual smash tournaments tournament. and stuff as yeah, well and totally. it's just an and just to see blast. and just to see where the franchise has gone like whatever your opinion is of the newer smash bros games it's just like a evergreen series. You could always put in Smash Bros. into your console. You'll have a good afternoon. You know, you're, you're always in the mood for some Smash. So those are my four. <laughs> out of context quotes, you're always in the mood for some Smash. <laughs> Someone cut that out. Let's quickly move on from that. Um, the game most hours put into one game. This was a hard one because I feel like there's a lot of competition and I don't have a reasonably like a definitive answer. Yes. Maple Story for sure, like you said, mm-hmm. played a ton as a kid. Probably might even be number 1, but I don't 
really remember and I haven't played it for so many years, I'm not going to put it on there. Life, it depends how you want to define it to me because if I was to say the the answer of the game I've played the most of, I think at this point in my life it would actually be Rocket League because I have a couple of really close friends, Mike and Jeevan, that I play um, online with. We have a team. We, we're not like superstar players, but we really enjoy like going through the, the ranks and kind of just playing online. It's a good way to hang out. Mm-hmm. But if I was saying for a single player game, it would have to probably be uh, Persona Five or Final Fantasy Tactics Advance because I played uh, <laughs> so I played so many playthroughs of that. Like, and I yes. think single player and multiplayer is, is is different when it comes to amount of hours put in. So if you're going, you know, multiplayer, it's Rocket League, and it's single player, then uh, Persona Five or FFT Eight. Right. Because of how much we both love final fantasy events tactics i'm surprised this is how long it took for it to i know i know to yeah. show up oh so. it's it's here now interesting it's well it is a playstation show that's true that's true it's our it is our favorite final fantasy game <laughs> um okay give me uh, the best game bought for five dollars or under i thought about this one for probably the longest of any of these questions and it's because it's hard to first of all i was trying to define it like is this a game that five dollars is the price or is it I got a game on sale for five bucks, you know, because of a humble bundle or something. But I decided to go the authentic route and I went with the game that costs five dollars or under. And after thinking about it for quite a while, the game that stuck with me the most is Florence. You heard of Florence? I have. I've heard it's one of those very artistic games. It is. Yeah, it's a mobile game. I don't play a lot of mobile games, but Florence is one that I would recommend to anybody. It's essentially the story of a relationship, and you're you're this girl Florence, and you you live her life, and then you get into a relationship, and things happen, and it's not like it's a really interesting story on the surface level, but just the way that, that it presents itself, you can really relate anyone that's been through like a breakup or, you know, that kind of situation or seen someone else going through a breakup. I think it hits on a really emotional level and it becomes really real really quickly. And I think for that reason, and also because of its accessibility on the phone, it's a great game for anyone to try. Um, yeah, it's a great game. Five bucks or less, go buy it. Uh, okay, moving on to the next question. What is a game you liked before the series became mainstream? Now, just like you, I had trouble with this because it's hard to define like mainstream or yeah or like what, when, or when something isn't popular. But I, the answer I landed on was Fire Emblem. I don't think it was ever unpopular, but I think it definitely used to be a lot more niche before it moved onto the 3DS with mm-hmm. Awakening. And of course, we've been playing it on Game Boy years before with the Fire Emblem Seven. Mm-hmm. Um, when that wasn't so well known, like I said before, people in North America a lot of the time the first experience they had with Fire Emblem was seeing Marth and Roy in Smash Bros. Whereas this is like you know what game you could play around that time too. And I think that the series has become one of Nintendo's most popular at this point. And at that time when Fire Emblem Seven was out on Game Boy Advance, I think it was a lot more underground. All right, graphics or controls. Um, I really don't know if I have a lot more to say on this beyond what you said. I think you nailed it. Um, controls, I think, ultimately are what everything comes down to. Just because, like you said, if something looks really nice, but it you can't control or it's not responsive, like it's just going to frustrate you. And I think the other thing, too, is that I think every game needs good controls, but you don't necessarily have to have great graphics to be a good game. You can see that in a lot of arcade games or maybe older um, retro games now. Like the original Mario Bros. has tight controls, but I don't think the graphics really look great today. Mm-hmm. So I think that good controls will make things hold up over time, but where graphics are more of an indication of when the game was created. Yeah, um, that's what it comes down to. Number seven, what game would you introduce to a non-gamer? 
Um, well, like I had Animal Crossing written down here, and I think that is a really strong answer. You can't not think you can't about not it. think of it, right? It's the quintessential non-gamer game. Yes. But just to not be stereotypical, I actually did put Overcooked here, and ah. I think Overcooked, similar to Portal, is a really good starting point for the fact that it's it's not overly complex. The difficulty comes in that you have a time limit, and so. It's not so much about the control barrier, which I think is a big reason a lot of people don't get into games because they have intimidation about learning to control things. Um, but Overcooked is really just one or two buttons. And just the way that, that it gets so hectic, I think, is a really good way for people to kind of get used to having a controller in their hand, but it's not overly too hard for them. And also, because it's multiplayer, if you know what you're doing, you can kind of coach them through it instead of them playing by themselves. And I think playing something together for a new player is, is much more inviting than sitting down by yourself and engaging in something that you don't really understand. Okay, that's an interesting answer, because while I agree with you that it is um, the multiplayer and it's, yeah, it's simple controls... Um, and it even has like a good gradual where you like it, it gets progressive as yeah, difficult exactly. as it goes. Like, if you want to get yelled at for your first game experience <laughs> and welcome to Gordon Ramsay's well, kitchen well, that I run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, me and Ash played through, um, like the first two, Overcooked 1 and 2. And yeah. I mean, she's not a gamer. She doesn't play a lot of stuff. But, mm -hmm. but, um, and by the end of it, we were like, oh, should we go back and get three stars? And, and we were right. really into it. And, and, just watching someone who really didn't have a lot of experience go through it and by the end, like how good she got at it is a really mm -hmm. good indication of, of what a great game it is for someone to get used to playing a game. Okay. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. But Portal, I mean, Portal is just a different, similar, similar idea, but just yeah. with a different first person perspective. Well, that, that's interesting. Overcook's a great game. They're coming out um, with another one, the same studio, but it's like your movers. I played the demo for that. It I looks it, fantastic. It, the controls aren't great, I'm going to tell oh, you. Oh, no. But how are the graphics? They're <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. Uh, well, moving on. Um, one series you wish you could bring to PlayStation. Um, I went back to the well with this one. It's a previous game I spoke about, but it's got to be Pokemon. I think, like we said before when I brought it up, like it's it's a really cool world and a cool universe that they've made but the games just don't do it justice yes and so i think if it came to playstation first of all it could be on the vita which is another handheld that would translate really well mm -hmm. but then also i think that having a a different studio make it or coming over to playstation might allow them to expand it a little bit more into maybe more of an open not open world but just more of a I guess less basic game than it is now. I find it's very basic compared to a lot of other mm -hmm. kind of RPGs. And I think coming to PlayStation might expand it. And I think an expanded world or a, or a more, you know, in-depth Pokemon game could be really, really cool. That's cool. And I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it in the style of like kind of a direct competitor, like the um, Digimon Cyber Sleuth games. Yeah, I love those games. And I think they're better than all the Pokemon games, personally. Yeah. And so I'd love to see something like that. Agreed. Perfect. Um... Okay, a classic you miss that you intend to go back and play soon. Um, well, I had Earthbound on here as an honorable mention, but I am already kind of playing that. I want to finish it, but it's not mm -hmm. an answer. Recently, playing Final Fantasy VII Remake, I, I'd like to go back and play that as well. But the answer I've really settled on here is Metal Gear Solid. Ah. Um, it's a game that I think I really, I really appreciate what it means to to PlayStation as a franchise and a company, and being like the host of a PlayStation podcast now yeah. and and really investing myself in in this ecosystem. It's a game that I feel like I need to go back and, and play it for context. Like I owe it to myself to to try Metal Gear Solid because it is so revered as such a legendary franchise and I really know nothing about it. 
And I think before when I was younger, it was intimidating because it was a stealth game and you had to be very careful and not get found. But now I think I would um, really enjoy going back and playing that. Next, your most anticipated game yet to release. This one was tough too. And I think it's weird. We're in a weird space, right? We don't know a whole lot of games that are imminently coming out. Yeah. Beyond, and the ones we you know, do know have been delayed. And they've all or... been delayed and whatnot. Yeah. But after kind of thinking back and forth, back and forth, I have to land on Cyberpunk. Just just for the fact that recently there's been a lot of Witcher stuff coming out, Witcher TV show, Witcher 3 came to Switch, you know, and, and it's just a huge universe I find really cool, but I never got into the Witcher. And I feel like now is not the time just because it's, I mean, it's a bit older and it's still a great game, but I'm not going to play that and then play Cyberpunk. So I, I think that getting into a game made by CD Projekt Red, but the new one um, would be really, really cool. And also the game just looks phenomenal in everything we've seen about it. And I also like the cyberpunk kind of world more than the fantasy that The Witcher portrays. So so those things all put together, I'd really like to get my hands on cyberpunk as soon as possible. Okay, that's a great answer. That game looks, yeah, assuming it's, it delivers, which CD Projekt so. Red is so. a is a company that inspires a lot of confidence. But yeah, it mm-hmm. looks phenomenal. Uh, a genre you just can't get into. There's a couple I could put here. The big one is MOBAs. Not really a, a MOBA guy, but I didn't put that down as an answer because that's almost just like, it's like a PC thing, you know? Like, I don't really play games on PC that much. And it's right. it's like its own sport almost, like we were saying before. So I, I kind of don't yeah. count that. So traditionally, the kind of games I really don't like are fighting games. Mm, um, aside, Smash, from Smash. aside from Smash Bros, <laughs> which is like, people debate if that's even a fighting game, you know? I, like, it is, a, it is a fighting game, but it's very different than like, what I'm talking about, Street right. Fighter, Blaze Blue, Tekken, Tekken yeah. all those. Like I just those games for me, I've got a friend who's super into them and always is like, this is the one that's gonna get you in. And I just find that the amount of time investment that I would need to put into a fighting game to get good enough to have competitive matches is just well beyond the interest I have in those kind of series. And I find that fighting games are the one type of game where I get really frustrated mm-hmm. because I just feel like they just don't work for me in a way where I can be in full control and like remember the patterns and the combos and everything like that. And I, I really enjoy watching them at things like Evo, but they're just not something I really like okay. to play. Yeah, I've got a similar standpoint. I, I like to yeah. watch and, and Evo is always exciting, but it's definitely like a commitment. Like It is, yeah. And you I, put I your find... time in training mode. Exactly, yeah. Or... I... Or you happen to have someone that is at the same skill level as you that you play very casually. Which is hard to... And that's the other thing, too. Like, aside from that one friend I have, I don't really have a lot of other people that play a lot of fighting games. So I just... uh, What am I going to do? Go online and get my ass kicked for two hours? Like, it's just not fun to me. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good answer. It's a very, like, poor... Not poor, it was very niche. It is, yeah. And the other thing, too, is it's very competitive. And overall, I would say that I'm not into a lot of competitive games. I'm more interested in, like, the escapism and the stories that games can tell. So getting into like, a, oh, I'm going to beat you in this tournament, best three out of five. Like, what's the competitive rule set? Like, it's just kind of out of my wheelhouse. Uh, number 14. This is uh, one that I I feel like I have a very good guess as to what it's going to be. And I feel like you just purchased it. It's very new and exciting. Uh, what's your most prized video game possession? Well, you want me to say Persona 5 The Royal. And that's very close to the top, but that's ah. not what I wrote down here. Um, what I have written down is I actually was privileged enough to get to go to E3 2018, which was a huge bucket list thing for me. You know, growing up, you always watch E3 every summer and, and see all the new big announcements and everything. And I was lucky enough to go to E3 in 2018, and I still have my 
um, badge for my entrance. And I, and I, that is something that means so much just because it's the physical representation of that experience that I got to go to. And now it means even more, especially since E3 was canceled this year. And who knows if they're going to have the show in the same way going forward after all this coronavirus stuff, you know, hopefully blows over. And uh, for that reason, it's just like a, a really prized possession for me to own that badge. Yeah, I thought for sure you were going to say <laughs> it was the Persona 5 soundtrack. It, yeah, but you know what? Would... Well, well, I'll just shelve that for later because <laughs> it might totally. be coming up again. No, I, I think I already said that. <laughs> But yeah, that that's a very cool thing. That's awesome. Yeah, that was a cool experience. Um, what is your greatest gaming accomplishment? I have two written down here. Okay. Um, one of them is very recent. One of them is very old. Okay, tell me both. The, I'm going to tell you the honorable mention one first, which is the old one, which mm-hmm. is that I, this is my equivalent of your beating Bloodborne so easily. I have beaten the original Contra without the li- the extra lives from the Konami oh. code. Oh, that is that is and actually a really that's, cool that's thing. That's tough, man. And I I actually played Contra recently. I, I really like that game. It's definitely my favorite classic game. Yeah. And that game now I can't come close. Like it's very tough. But as a kid, we had an NES, and Contra mm-hmm. was easily the best game that we had for it. Easily. And I remember I played it a lot back in the day. And I and one day I actually did manage to beat it without the lives code. And to that day, to this day. I'm always very proud to tell people that yeah. because it's, it's a tough thing to do. It is. That's cool. That's but, extremely cool. But, but, but. Recently, I had the most ridiculous experience of my life, which is that I've I've recently got a bit into Fortnite, mm-hmm. which is, and I think the the main reason is because with all this social distancing and isolation from your friends, it's just a great way to, to jump in and hang out online mm-hmm. with a free game that everyone can play together. And so I've been playing a bit of Fortnite and... The other, a few weeks ago, I was playing with two of my friends, uh, Matt and Brandon, and we were playing squads, which is four versus, like, teams of four. Okay. But we were three. We had three. We didn't fill with some random guy, which is the three of us. Mm-hmm. And somehow, some way, we are not experts. I can hardly build structures or anything like that. We were playing. We were playing. We got a win, right? We won our game. Like, this is amazing. This is our first win. Like, got it. Congratulations. Then we won another game Ooh, right after. Back to back. Back to back. And I shit you not. We won five games in a row. Damn. <laughs> that, it was, it was, we were laughing, like people would come up to us and for some reason, I don't know what had happened, but we were just playing like the most outrageously skilled players for these, this set of five games in a row. And I don't know how, how we did it, or I don't think, like I've only won one match since and I probably played another five or six hours. This, this string of five wins in a row of Fortnite is something I don't think I will ever <laughs> top. And I don't know how it happened, but it did. That's amazing. Ride that for the next like yeah. three months. Just let that carry I know, you. Honestly, life. like every time I talk, every time I play that game with one of those two guys now, invariably in our conversation, it'll be like, Hey, you remember we won five matches? Like it was crazy. Um, okay. We're getting uh, near the end of the list. So we'll, we'll get to these last few questions. Yep. Uh, what is a game that others like, but you just can't see why? Okay. So I have a couple for this as well. Honorable mention, very quick Ocarina of Time. Um, oh, I... go, go home. <laughs> <laughs> that game's awesome. Luckily, my opinion on this won't come up very much after this episode, but I honestly, I have a lot of respect for Ocarina of Time for what it did at the time, but going back to it now, I don't think it holds up very well at all. And I think people that think it does are very nostalgic and have a different viewpoint completely um, to me. But that's not my answer. My answer here is Grand Theft Auto. Ah. Um, people love that game. It's like the second Grand Theft Auto Five is like the second best selling game of all time. If you go to any PS2 best games list, invariably there'll be Vice City or um, whatever the other one on PS2 was that's so popular. And I understand why people like it, but to me the setting just doesn't nothing for me. I could care less about running over hookers with my tank. <laughs> 
and like using cheat codes <laughs> to get helicopters and, and see how many stars I can get for the police to chase me. And that whole like sandbox type, just like you fuck around and see how many yeah. hookers you can get killed and stuff. Like it just doesn't do anything for me. And that's neat. That was the easiest one for me to answer, actually. Interesting. Um, and you also worked at... Uh, like yeah. way back when, I, like an EB and like yeah, had to sell worked, it to kids. I worked at EB Games <laughs> at the time of GTA V's release. I actually got a free copy of GTA V from my yeah. work because uh, our store did so well in sales. And it's funny because selling GTA V, the majority of the people buying this game were like 15 and under mm-hmm. with their parents. And then you get people our age coming in, you know, like mid, mid twenties and they'd be buying like, Ooh, I'm buying Pokemon. Like it was, it was so <laughs> yeah. backwards and it was so weird to see that as, as like a, a retail employee, but mm. yeah. All right. Well, kind of a flip on that then a game that you like, even though it sucks. This is a question that I thought we would have the same answer for sure. Ah. Of course, the answer Sonic Adventure 2 Battle. Oh, well, Sonic Adventure 2 Battle doesn't suck. That's but why. The thing is, Kate, the thing is, is it does. I'm not ready to admit. I'm not ready to admit that yet. <laughs> it's it's not a horribly broken game like Sonic 2006, but SA2B is is like it's not a good game. It doesn't have a lot of critical you know success. And yeah. if you talk to the average person, they're going to say it's not very good. But that game is so dear to my heart uh, in a lot of ways, and I would defend it to my death, even <laughs> though I know it's not that great. <laughs> That's fair. I'm not even a big Sonic fan. I just love that that game. That game, yeah. Chow Garden, the game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> aside from from Smash Bros. Melee, it's my favorite GameCube game. Aside from actually that and Thousand Year Door. Thousand Year Door. SA2B is number three. Controversial take there. <laughs> I think it's at least top five. Um, okay, number 18. Uh, we'll get back to Persona. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our yeah. scheduled Persona segment. What's your favorite soundtrack? <laughs> uh, my favorite soundtrack, shout out SA2B. Uh, great soundtrack, but Persona 5 takes the cake here for sure. <laughs> I've never been a huge jazz person, but Persona 5 just has this incredibly impactful soundtrack, I think. And the music always matches the tone of what's happening in the game, whether it's a, a chill, like, you know, relaxing music at nighttime when you're studying in your room to like almost heavy metal music when you're fighting the big bosses. Like it just has such a range and variety of how it sounds. And the music just makes you emotional. I think, during so many of these fights, whether it's the fights or the um, story-driven moments with maybe sadder music, um, it's just every track is unbelievable. And to me, there's no other option aside from Persona 5. It's a very well-deserved answer. Okay, I'm getting down to the final few. Your favorite weapon in a game? This one, I actually have three weapons listed here, and I still don't know which one I'm going to pick. Okay. So I'm going to explain all three of them, and maybe as I talk, I'll M- narrow down stand my out. That's sure. right. Number one, let's go back to Contra, the spread shot. <laughs> that gun is so powerful in Contra, yeah. and you feel like you could just take on anything when you have it. And it means a lot to me because, obviously, I used it a lot when I managed to beat Contra back um, all those years ago. Uh, great weapon. Um, number two would be, this is a bit of a weird one, but the red shells in Mario Kart. Okay. Interesting. I think that they're a really cool weapon in the sense that they're just, you're just always so excited when you get the red shells because they're, (laughs) they're like the best thing you can get. And you can Mm -hmm. use them when you have the three of them going around you, they're a shield and you can, you can use that to defend yourself or they're also the homing attack. 
Um, I think that one's more of an honorable mention, but I just, right. I love Mario Kart and the uh, red shells are just yeah. really iconic to me more so than other items in that game. Okay. Interesting. Cause um, yeah, they're mm-hmm. not like the first thing you think of in terms of a weapon, but they yeah. are a weapon. Yeah, they are a weapon. And yeah. in Mario Kart, they're often the difference between, you know, first and second or whatever position you're in. Um, the last one I have is the Leviathan X from God of War 2018. Um, <laughs> I think that's, that's like the generic answer for a lot of people now that have played that game just because of how tangible you can feel that axe when you throw it yes. and get it back in your hand the way, with the, the way that back. it kind of swings back and has this this sound and the controller just has this perfect vibration when it kind of lands back in your hand and the varied attacks that kratos has during that game using the axe as well i think is is like really really um fun to fight with so that's that's probably the best answer of these three, but if I was to go with a nostalgic pick, I actually might pick the Contra Sprint Shot. <laughs> or as we used to call it, the Super Gun. The Super Gun, because it was an S. <laughs> yes. It was an S, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, okay, single player or multiplayer? Single player. Pretty easy for me to answer that. I think mm-hmm. I have a lot of multiplayer experiences that I really like, um, like Smash Bros., Mario Kart, um, Overcooked, Enter the Gungeon, Rocket League, all these games. But at the end of the day, if I'm making a list of my top favorite games of all time, in, they're going to be almost entirely single player. And that's what I'm here for. Fair enough. Second last question. Uh, the most annoying mechanic in a game. So we were talking off mic before this, and we, we agreed we're going to do a whole segment on this at one time because I think there's a lot to discuss here. Um, but I'm going to go with, if I can only pick one, when non-active party members don't gain experience in RPGs. Oh. Um, yes. <laughs> I, I despise games that waste your time for no reason. And I think that, that a lot of older RPGs do a terrible job of letting you mix and match your party because you're pretty much stuck with the characters you've been using unless you want to go invest two hours in fighting random enemies and leveling guys up. And it's just to me, it doesn't make the game more difficult. It doesn't make it more interesting. It just makes it take more of your time. And for that reason, I I really like it in games like uh, Persona, where you can just use an easy example, or like the newer Pokemon games, I can even praise them for that, where there's uh, the EXP share works on all your party members. So you can level guys up and they always stay constant. So you can use any character you want. I And I think that's that's honestly a modern convenience that should never be... Um, taken out of RPGs going forward. It just, it's just, there's no reason they shouldn't gain experience, in my opinion. Hmm. That's a, that's one of the ones I didn't really think about, but it is, yeah, it's a great idea just to give you more flexibility as you play and like right. not to, to shoehorn you into certain Exactly, right? And, and just to like maybe go a bit more into it, like Persona 4 is, is, I'm playing right now and I, like I said, I've beaten 5. 4 is really good, but one of the biggest reasons, probably the biggest reason I don't like it as much as 5 is because it doesn't have this. Mm-hmm. And so I have this great cast of characters, just as good as Persona 5, maybe even better characters in a lot of ways, but there's, I always use the same four people in combat because I just can't be bothered to waste one of my days in the game trying to grind out levels for these other characters when my other guys are already strong enough, you know? Mm-hmm. I like it. Probably like an unpopular one. opinion a little bit, but I just... Maybe. That's, that's kind of how there's, I think. There's definitely a few sides that we'll, we'll maybe get mm-hmm. into that more often or more uh, in more depth at another time. Um, okay, final question, which I'm very interested Ooh. to see. Uh, going through all of the different consoles, so each... Uh, PlayStation 1, 2, 3, 4, and PSP Vita included your favorite game for each of those. Right. Okay. Well, I'm going to get a few. I'm going to go a bit of a weird order here just to get some of them out of the way. 
Um, PS1, Crash Bash, that's the one answer we have that's the same. Correct. For my money, it's better than... The mini games are better than any Mario Party or like party game that's really come out since. Um, I think Crash Bash was before its time in a lot of ways as far as, as how you had this kind of story mode to go through these these multiplayer like little mini games. And the mini games were great. The characters are cool. Um, I would love a remake, just like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, get Persona 5 out of the way on PS4. I've spoken enough about right. that in this segment, but that's the easy choice. If I had to pick a second place to the, just to make it interesting, I probably would say God of War, but honorable mention to Spider-Man. The Vita, I also have Persona 4 Golden. It's a bit of an unfair answer, though, because I only got my Vita to play Golden. Right. So I have dabbled in a few other things. I played 999 Doors, which is another visual novel. And I, I downloaded like the Patapon remaster just to try it out. But I mean, those don't hold up to Persona 4. So right. it's not easily fair. my answer. I'm going to be playing more Vita as I go forward. So I don't know if it'll change or not. But Persona 4, I think is pretty safe. So then going back to the ones I haven't spoken about at all. Um, the PS2 was pretty easy for me once I thought about it. It was Final Fantasy X. Um, Final Fantasy X, aside from Tactics Advance, was the only Final Fantasy I'd ever played until I tried uh, 13. So I hadn't really had like the retro ones, but I love Final Fantasy X. I think it's a great RPG. I think the battle system is really cool, how you can swap your characters out at any time. The world is interesting. The voice acting is terrible, but in like the funny way, where it's enjoyable because it's so bad. And I think that overall, it just is a very complete package and I really enjoyed playing it. It was one of the first games I had for PS2. Um, so I'll definitely save that. Um, PS3 was a tough one because it's probably... The PS3 is when I really started playing a lot of games. Mm-hmm. And so I had just had such a big category of, ga- of games to, to, choose, to from. choose from. Yes. Uh, Heavy Rain was really high up when I was thinking about it. But I just couldn't give it to Heavy Rain. In the end, I decided to go with probably one of the most generic answers. But The Last of Us um, is what I picked for PS3. I think that that game is something, first of all, you haven't played it. Yeah, um, way to call me out like Which is a big, like big shame, but this game... I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, this game, to me, is just one of those games that no matter if you like the story or the world at all, and, and like whatever you think of that kind of aspect of it, like it's just, it's almost undeniably a perfect game in a lot of ways. Like, the controls are just great, the story... Um, again, like whatever you think of it, it's it's very interesting. And I just think the world that they created is very unique in a world in the world we live in. Zombies are a very popular genre. And I think what they did with the story there and how they made, you know, some character moments really impactful is it, very, very well deserving of such an accolade as being the best on PS3. And man, many people agree with that, I think. And finally, the PSP. This was a hard one because although I owned a PSP, um, I didn't play a whole lot on it, so I will shout out SOCOM US Navy SEALs, <laughs> which was a surprisingly fun shooter right. on a system which only had one joystick. Um, Weird. So and you, I think... you lose like R2 to lock on in that game. It was strange, but I remember it was some of my first memories of playing a game online against other people and, and like having some fun. So I really enjoyed that. But the, the game I'm going to go with here is Luminous. Um, which is one of the few puzzle games I would put on kind of my favorite games of all time type of list. It's by far the one I'm the best at. And I really think that the what does it for me is that the game always is, it has these different different um, layouts or skins for each level you get to. And the game will, you don't beat a level and it goes to the next one. It, it just transforms and changes in front of your eyes. The music changes, the colors change, the sound effects change. 
And it kind of ramps up the way that a Tetris would, but it, it always has a different look every time you increase the difficulty. And I really think it's cool because in Tetris or a game like that, you get farther and it keeps getting harder and harder. And it's almost like, oh, that was really good. I'm glad I had this run, but I'm going to turn it off. But in, in Luminous, you you always want to see like, oh, I wonder if I do a bit better. Like, what does the next skin look like? Or what's the next song that's going to come up? And I think that that game, unfortunately, wasn't as popular as it could have been because it was on the PSP. Um, now, of course, it's come out on a bunch of different things, but it's more of a niche title. And I really think that those interested in puzzle games or good music should play Luminous. Interesting. What a way to end it off on, know, on a game like... And so like calm luminous. and luminous. I know. I, maybe I should have done PSP first, but <laughs> no, but, no, uh, that was interesting. Yeah, yeah. they're yeah. very different, unique picks. It's and... it's interesting to think. I really thought for PS One you were going to put uh, Crash Bandicoot Warped. I I definitely um I definitely considered it, but when I think of my favorite, when I think of of Crash, I think of Crash Bash. Yeah. Even with having played the the more iconic games, and and I own the remaster on PS4 that came out for the first three games, even with with that being, you know, something I've, I've maybe put more hours into, the quintessential Crash, Crash game for Bash. me is Crash Bash. There you go. <laughs> well, we hope you've learned a bit more about us as video game players and you enjoyed the show. Of course, we'll be back again in two weeks' time if you um, are so inclined to join us. We hope you do. And until then, we will see you in a couple of weeks. The intro and outro music for Circles and Squares was produced by friend of the show, Matthew Chan. Interlude music is from Scott Gretton of the Free Music Archive. Our channel art was created by at Unreasonable on Twitter. And our brother Alex is the designer of the Circles and Squares logo. Thank you all for listening and supporting the show.